Podcast Network Asia. Welcome to Family is the Answer, an adoption and foster care podcast. I'm Karina Kuna-Henson, Managing Director for Rohe Foundation. Together with Podcast Network Asia, we're here to share resources to inform you and stories to inspire you about adoption and foster care. Hope you enjoy listening. Hi, guys. Uh, again, hope you've had a happy Mother's Day. We're still celebrating Mother's Day around here. And we are in a two-part series recap of our previous Mother's Day campaign called What Makes a Real Mom. Again, it was inspired by a quote by Oprah Winfrey. And she just said, biology is the least of what makes someone a mother. And it really makes you wonder what really makes a woman a mother. And we believe that it's the one who chooses to mother, to parent, to pour into their child is what really makes a real mom. And so motherhood is a miracle that's brought about by more than just giving birth. It's more than just defined by just your DNA. Motherhood is something that you can choose. You can raise your hand to say, I choose to take responsibility for this child and to pour my life into him or her. And that's motherhood. And so we want to honor all the moms and we want to continue doing that, whether you know, you're an adoptive mom, a foster mom, a birth mom, you're a grandmother, godmother, or you're just lovingly raising up children who are not your own. We honor you today. We hope that uh, through the series, we'd be able to highlight really what it takes to be a real mom day in and day out. I hope you tune in to the last episode with Amor Rebibis, who was a single mom at that time, had adopted her son, Moses, now has actually also ventured into fostering. Today, we're switching gears and we're going to go revisit the story of Len Santos Ding as she talks about the seasons of motherhood. But she mothered just about everybody. She's a professional chef. She was also a homeschool mom and she continues to homeschool her children. But since then, her family has grown. She had one more son after remarrying. And then she went on to actually pursue adoption as a family. And so she has what they call a very blended family, children of different ages with different stories. And she's going to share more about that in this episode. But I just think there's so much to learn from her. There's so much courage to gain from her story as she's ventured into doing what she knows has been on her heart for a very long time as she explored adoption. So I really hope that you enjoy this. Wishing you all a happy Mother's Day. Hope that it's been a wonderful celebration for you and your families. For now, I hope you get to sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. So great to have you, Len. I think maybe we can just start by having you share a little bit about yourself. I know that you have a blended family. You've been blessed with a blended family. What exactly does that mean? And can you share with us just how blended your family is? Okay. So Karina, I've known you since you arrived. You were still in school, right? So you knew me as the single mom of the three kids in church. Uh, I was a, a single mom since, what, year 2000, I think. So when I met Dex and then when we, we got married 2010, I was a mom of three teenagers. And then two years after we got married, we had Rohan. Got pregnant with Rohan. So Rohan is now eight years old. 
And then two years ago, we adopted Isla. We took Isla home actually two years ago. So super blended. Yes, and I think to top it off, shortly after you took home Isla, you also became a grandmother. Is that right? Roku, my Correct. grandson, is now <laughs> turning two. And then our eldest, Nikki, is actually pregnant now with her second child. So how exciting. I think it's just so nice to see how you guys have celebrated family and how your family has embraced your parents, you know, everybody has embraced each other in this whole blended mix. So yeah, so maybe we can start by having you share a little bit about Isla and how Isla came into your lives. You mentioned that she's already four years old and so she's been with you for two years. I know that it was also a long journey kind of getting there. Can you share that journey leading up to adopting her? How did you involve the big family in that big decision that you guys made as a family? I actually wanted to adopt since I was still a single mom. So, But it was like a secret. I wasn't sharing it with anyone because it's a crazy idea. I, I was a single mom and I didn't have money. So <laughs> why, would you, why would you even think of you know, bringing up another child? So it was like my well-kept secret and I would just pray about it. And then when we got married, although that's me about it, that uh, I wanted to adopt. And he was pretty open about it. But then since I got pregnant with Rohan two years after we got married, you can't do it everything at the same time, right? So yeah, it's too crazy. So a few years after we're starting to talk about it, what delayed it was just us and the paperwork. (laughs) <laughs> it was too tedious, right? just doing all the paperwork. So you kind of shelve it and then get spawned, things like that. But then with Isla, when with the whole adoption process, that's the only time actually that we knew that or we realized, oh, you wouldn't see them pala. You wouldn't go to an orphanage and then choose a child, like, you know, how they, how they show it in movies. But then you have to say yes to to the child, even without seeing her, okay? In person, so, right? Yeah. In person, in person. So they yeah. show you a picture, they show you their medical records and all that. But with the matching process, and when they do the, the social workers, when they do the matching process, they tell us right away, it's like, I will match. The next time after two weeks, we let will match, will match. So, you know that feeling that, when you're waiting to be pregnant and then it turns out the test is negative, it actually negative. feels the same way, right? So parang, it's also heartbreaking. And I think we that happened about three times, a few days before Christmas, that we have a child for you. Because you were saying in the beginning, I mean, you had always wanted to adopt. Seasons before, you married Dexter and you had Rohan. Years before that, adoption was already in your heart. When you receive the papers of a possible match after having been told bad news so many times that there's no match, there's no match, there's no match, was it yeah. kind of instant, at least for yourself, that you felt this is it, Peng, you were on board with it already? Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, what would be the reason for you to reject a child? <laughs> if I mean, oh. if you give birth, it's like, oh, no. <laughs> it doesn't work. You take what you're given. (laughs) And that's your child. See? So, you know, people would say, oh, when did you feel that 
that's your child or how can you be so sure because she was given to me that makes for my channel, right? Yeah, wow. I like that. I mean, that's such a nice perspective about it because you're right. A lot of times the question that families have is, how will I know if that child is my child? Or you're right, there's this misconception, maybe because of media and uh, movies that you go into an orphanage and you look around and you see all the cribs and then you say, I want this one, this one is my child. You know, there's this dramatic moment where they decide this is the child I've been praying for and hoping for. But in reality, that's really, that couldn't be farther from the truth in terms of what the process, the adoption process is like. And so there's really no, sometimes there's no feeling, right? And sometimes there's no dramatic moment. Sometimes there's no sign, but I love that there was just a decision on your end that, you know, you knew, but bringing Isla into your whole family, was Dexter, your husband, also feeling the same way in the beginning? Or did it take some time for the rest of the family to also feel the same way? So for Dex, as long as I do the paperwork, (laughs) we know our roles. So as long as I do the paperwork, it's fine. But then, you know, it's like, it's really in his heart. And he has a family that's very open to adoption. You know, they're very welcoming. So it's really in their hearts. With the kids, when we talk to them about it, I mean, there weren't even no questions. It's like, yeah, go. Oh, and I, I'm like, I'm the one who said, oh, are you sure? Are you sure? They're very gifted. I know that your son, your youngest son, Rohan, is actually closest in age to Isla right? So what is the dynamic like for them? Because they probably play together the most. They probably interact the most, fight the most, love each other the most, (laughs) all of that. What has it been like for the two of them? Rohan, Rohan is eight years old. My son has autism. So at first they would play side by side, but not together. It's something that they had to learn to do together. But then now they're like, especially with the quarantine, it's like they're, they either love each other so much or like they're, they're into each other's throats. So it can get crazy. The thing is, they're both bossy. So sometimes you'll, see, you'll hear Rohan telling Isla to, Isla, set the table. Mom told you to set the table. <laughs> they do that. Or sometimes it's Isla, Kuya. Kuya, Kina, Kuya. But they just love each other so much. They're very protective of each other. Sobra. How did it get there? So maybe we can backtrack to the time that you took Isla home. Because at the point in time that Isla joined your family, it was just yourself, Dexter, and Rohan who were living in the same house. Your kids, your adult kids weren't living with you anymore. They kind of, you know, were off doing their own thing. They had their own lives already. What was it like for you in that time? Maybe you can share a little bit about that season from when you found out that you were matched into we're finally going to take Isla home. With Rohan, we had to prepare him because he's like growing up like an only child, right? I mean, the adult kids, like you said, they're not home anymore. My daughter's married, but then Red has his own place in Quezon City, and then Miguel is in Amsterdam. Actually, he's been there for a few years. So with Rohan, 
we started with like storybooks of I think it's called like Big Brothers are Great, things like that, and introducing the idea that oh you're gonna be a big brother. We don't know when yet, but God will give us your sister. So we started like that. He had a hard time, I think, learning how to share. Because he never shared. <laughs> oh, that's why sorry. So that took time. But when when Ayla came to us the first day, it was actually Rohan who connected us, eh, our family. It's like, because Ayla was so scared, and then I, uh, Rohan showed her his books and started to read to her. And that's the first time that she started actually to warm. I think just her clarity, right? You actually adopted Ayla. You went through the entire process through an agency. You did all the home visits. Eventually, you were matched. After saying yes to her, how long was it before you were able to take her home? When you say yes, we visited her once. And then we were told, oh, we thought we'll visit her a few times so that the child can adjust and all that. No, they tell you, no, your next visit, we'll sign the papers to bring her home. So it's, wow. I, you know, I feel for Ailana, that must be hard for her. It's like we're taking her away from the home that she knew, right? So... I feel her fear, right? But I'm heartbreaking for a small child. But then those two weeks, it's hard because she couldn't speak yet. She was a late talker. And then her dad, Dex, ayaw niya. Ayaw niya sa lalaki. So she was following me around wherever I go. She'll, when I sweep the floor, she'll sweep the floor. Basta she'll just follow me around. It was an adjustment in a sense that she would be clingy. But then she would push you away. So mainly fights or tantrums that we couldn't understand. Those two weeks, we, I had to be extra patient because I'm not a patient person. I really am not. So <laughs> it was trying time. I had to adjust to personality quirks and things that I'm discovering about her. The first time that I brought her out, I took her to a restaurant. Then she drank cold water, and there was just this shocked look. She has never had iced water before. I didn't know. Things like, diba? So simple. So simple for us. Taking a shower, it's something new. I didn't know that she was scared of. Things like that. But, I mean, with all the preparation, these are things that you just get to discover for yourself. But then you get to form that bond, and you get to... I think you have to think of it as, you know, in time, you will have your own memories, your own influences and things like that. But those first few weeks or even months, you have to really respect who she is at the moment. Otherwise, it's like you just yanked her out of everything she knows, right? You have to you have to remember that. I have to remind myself of that. So... Those two weeks were, I mean, a really an adjustment, I'm sure, for your family as well, for yourself, for Rohan, for the whole household. But you're saying that even for her, how long did it take her to adjust and to finally, I guess, at least from your perspective, to some degree, settle, be more at ease around you and get used to this new life that she has? Probably about a month or so. Those two weeks or maybe a week, she adjusted first to Dexter. That was the first step. It's like, oh, she has accepted Papa. You know? 
And then she became very clingy with Papa. But those few weeks, there's that um, adjustment wherein parang she doesn't know her place yet, in a sense, mm. right? But then after a while, it's like, I don't know. I don't know, Italy. You can't really put an exact thing, how, how long it is. But but then you just notice it after a while that we, we would talk about or we would look at the pictures of her or her old pictures from the children's home. Then we'll say, oh, look, oh, look, this is the time that we got you. Yeah. And then yeah. there was pictures with, you know, the women who took care of her. And then she said, one, she said, oh, but that's not my nanay anymore. That's what she said. Oh. No, because my mom is nanay, her grandma. Okay. I have That's my nanay goes. now. Yeah, yeah. So it's you know you you hear these things that oh she remembers, but then you know she's happy where she is. Things like that. that you get to para realize. Oh, thank God she she knows she knows all that, but then she's happy where she is. <laughs> yeah. How early on did you start having those conversations with her about? about being adopted, about how she came into your family? Because I'm sure as a two-year-old, there's not, it's hard to process. I mean, yeah. I mean there's a lot of unpacking that's probably going to happen through the course of many, many, many years. But when did those conversations start? What made you decide to already start unpacking that with her at an early age? We want it to be as natural as possible. Like if you have your child, right? You look at photos with your child, right? So... That's what we're doing. It's like it's just part of her history. We didn't want a big reveal. You know how it is. Like oh, when she's when she's twelve, she would understand. When she's eighteen, she would understand. No, that's one thing I learned from because I have friends who were adopted, and they said the hard thing for them is learning it when they were old, because it's like everything else before that was like. What was it? Was it fake? Was it, you know, it's like their whole life. You just yanked it out of them. So we decided early on that it this will just be as natural as, you know, giving birth. You sometimes talk to your babies. They don't understand it, right? At yeah. one year old, you, you talk to them. So that's what we did. It's like we just look at pictures. Then, oh, look, this is when we got you. Look at how excited Papa was. And look, you were still scared of us. Things like that. We talk to her about <laughs> like that. <laughs> and has it become so for her? Like she's getting used to that language. But how about for your eight-year-old son, for Rohan, or I mean, for the adult kids, it's easy, right? They can be quite deliberate yeah. about the language they use, and you know, celebrating her adoption. But for mm-hmm. Rohan, how does he respond to her? This is there any understanding there about how how she came into the family? It's like for for him, it's just natural. One of the things that we did last year, part of his social studies was making that family tree. And then my husband asked me, how complicated are we going to make this family tree? <laughs> Is it going to be all that? <laughs> so, okay, let's just make it our immediate family. Okay, <laughs> No difference. But then when he was making it, he was explaining, oh, I remember at first it was just me. And then we got Isla. You know, he remembers the day, he remembers where we went after, and things like that. And yeah, it's just very natural for him. And I think for all kids, they really take their cue from the parents. If you worry about it too much, like something that's different, 
mm-hmm. then they would take their cue from, from you, right? But for them, it's like, that's just their history. Uh, that Johan was born in this hospital. Ayla, we got her from this uh, children's home. It's the same. That reminds me of the theme of the campaign, What Makes a Real Mom? Because I remember one story, some lady sharing that she says, I don't describe my children as this is my C-section child or my natural delivery child. Or, you know, I don't describe them given how they were born or how they were delivered. But they're just my children. They're all my children. It's just all natural, whether through adoption, through whatever kind of birth. I had, they're my children and I love them all the same. How does that resonate for you? Just that phrase, have you had to wrestle with that, the idea of being a real mom to Isla? Do you have questions about your biological mom? Where does that sit in your heart? I heard what you said about someone making that comment about having a real child now. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually laughing to listen to it because you're so much nicer than me. I would have answered that. <laughs> because I remember someone saying that and saying, which one is your real child? They're both real. Do they look like they're made of, made of chocolate? They're real. <laughs> Do I have imaginary children? <laughs> they're not imaginary. They're here. People say, okay, so that's your adopted daughter. That's your real daughter. I have a daughter, right? I have a real daughter. That they would or not really compare, but made that comment of real. I don't get it. I really don't get it. I mean, with Isla, before I adopted her, I mean, this is me talking to myself. I told myself, I'm going to remove any gratitude that Isla is supposed to feel because I got her. Because that's unfair. That is such a heavy burden on a child, right? I'm going to remove that. And I'm going to tell myself she can rebel as much as she wants. We can fight as much as she wants. And it's going to be the same. It's a mother-daughter thing. I mean, I want it to be the same. It's not going to be because she was adopted. You know how all those fears na, oh, she's going to be, she's going to go wild when she's older and she's going to have all these issues. I mean, I have three adult kids. Do you think they never had issues? <laughs> we had their own. We had our share. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not saying that it's the same, meaning it's going to be all about, what's this, all perfect Instagrammable moments. It's not. Meaning we're going to have the same challenges as having a biological child. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I and I was really excited to hear from you today because you have the benefit of having raised children that are now adults and so have gone through that season of that rebellious teenage phase and the difficult teenage years. And a lot of times people feel like a child who was adopted is going to be different because they were adopted. That the fact that they were adopted that will make life difficult <laughs> or that will cause no, the rebellion. Yeah. One of our greatest joy in life comes from relationship. In the same way, our greatest pain in life comes from relationships. In BW Podcast, we are finding solutions sa mga problems like Ano nga ba ang status ng relationship nyo? Paano mag-move on kahit di naging kayo? Waiting takes time, but what if you're nearing 30s na? 
Signs of toxic relationships. Anong mga types of guys na dapat mong iwasan? How will you know if he's the right one? Hindi yung pasweet lang. And how to kilig responsibly. So if you're into smart and healthy relationships, listen now to Boiling Waters PH Podcast on Spotify. Tatapanin ka ng katotohanan. But what have you discovered? What are some of the things that you do now with Ayla, with Rohan, with your younger kids to kind of prepare for the future, kind of help understand, you know, what do you do to better understand them now at this early phase so that it won't be so hard in 10, 15 years from now? I'm trying to compare myself as a parent years back because I was a teen mom. And I mean, I can talk to my adult kids now about, oh, sorry. It's unfair, but I know more now. <laughs> and they know it. And um, I think the difference now is I have more support, meaning if I'm going to do something, something with the kids, especially with Rohan having special needs and all that, I have people to, to go to. I have people that, in church even who would just be there for me. One of the things I realized is I can't control everything still. You know, it's like, this is, I call them my second batch. So with the second batch, you can't perfect everything. I mean, I go through different challenges with them. You know, I mean, so you can't say, oh, I'm an improved version of Len now. (laughs) Actually not. I'm trying not to put the pressure in me to become the perfect mom. Because when people hear, oh, you're a homeschooling mom, you're a, you know, you adopt It's like, okay, so does that make me what? Super mom? No, I'm not. Please, I can't take the, I can't take the pressure. I'm really trying to go day by day. And sometimes it's really by the, by the grace of God. Sometimes it's really in the morning that when I, when I pray, it's really God, just give me enough grace for today. Just enough for yeah. today. It's really that. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. I think it's true because the way that you come across, I mean, you had a son who you knew already had special needs. And I mean, to an outsider, you're a super mom. But the truth is, you're a real mom. And every day you rely on the grace of God to love your children individually, uniquely, in the way that they each need to be loved. And it's a daily dependence on God for that. The unique challenges that come from adopting a toddler. People always want to adopt a baby because they say, you know, baby is the, it's easier. There are no issues, <laughs> you know, with a baby. Um, I don't really think that's a true statement, entirely true. But can you tell us and clear the mystery? What is it like adopting a toddler? What are some of the realities and the challenges that you face adopting a toddler? Um, Isla was two years old, right? Yeah, she was turning two, a couple of months short. Before I adopted her, I was reading a lot of books about adoption and I was kind of anticipating all the problems <laughs> as if I can, right? So I was reading all these books and then I was thinking, oh my gosh, I, I, I'm a warrior. So I would think, oh, what if I don't love her? What if she doesn't love me? What if, you know, it's like you, you wait for these things, right? So, and then I decided I'm going to fake it till I make it. I'm <laughs> just going <laughs> to, that's it. I'm going to fake it till I make it. So I always say I faked it for about 30 minutes. (laughs) But then, you know, once we're home, we're fine. I think the motherhood, being a mom, starts with really 
the decision once you say yes. Because people are so afraid to say yes because they want to feel like the mom first. No, you say yes. And then you'll feel like a mom. You'll just, I don't know, you'll just feel that yeah. uh, protective side of you, I guess, come out, right? With Ayla, I adjusted. We talked about the first two weeks and how she bloomed, right? But then I realized there are some times that I, you would still have to think that she would react differently. Like, I would be strict with all my children about, say, eating sweets. So there would be a time that I'd say, no, you can't have one more cookie. You have to finish your dinner. In my eyes, it's like she would overreact. Parang sobra yung fear niya. And then there would be a complete meltdown. And the more that I'll get angry. Then, so, gawin na kami. And then, I was reading this book called The Connected Child. And I, uh, it says something about, there's actually a similarity between my son, who has autism. And Isla, who's adopted, and then they call them the children from hard places. And they react differently, and then kind of switch on the, their fight or flight mode very easily. And sometimes you don't understand that. And I realized the difference when I changed the way I talk to her and I said, No, you can't have a cookie now, but you finish your dinner, I promise you, you will have a cookie later. And it's that promise that's like made her a little bit more secure to say yes. You know, she can be very defiant actually and then we'll fight. So I think it's that I have to keep it in mind that I have to make her secure enough to listen. You know, it's like all these fears in her or even maybe there's even fear of abandonment that I don't understand just yet. But I can't forget that. Right? I mean, if I discipline her like, you know, I've seen my kids. So <laughs> if I discipline her the same way, and I'll be so strict. It won't work. It won't work. We fight. We fight really. So, and because all her fears are coming out and I wouldn't understand it. Right. So you're saying it's like you have to create the safe place for them to let the fears, let the issues somewhat surface. Right, because yeah. I think sometimes when families adopt a child, and the child comes to their place. They, it's almost like they take it personally. But I'm loving you and I'm caring for you. And why are you still behaving this way? It worked with my yeah. other kids, you know. It worked with the the older ones. Why is it not working with you? And not recognizing that they've come from a hard place, and there's a history there before you, right? Yeah, and being that safe place for them to find healing, to be themselves, to find love and to be secure, to let that surface so that they can be healed, I think is so important. And so what are some of the things that you're saying, like um, discipline wise, you've had to adjust a little bit with with her? Well, I'm still learning, to be honest. (laughs) I'm really just slowly learning all these things. And um, having... Her and Rohan, it's what's hard is they're both very needy kids, you know, one with autism and one having all these issues. It is hard. And I have to, I really have to accept that, hey, it's not easy. Don't expect yourself to be super mom, right? Because the more I expect myself to be super mom, the more I fail. 
or I feel, <laughs> I feel, I say it, right? So I am learning that it's not just those two weeks that I had to win her trust. I still have to win her trust now. It's not the man spoiling her. It's not that thing. Mm-hmm. Because you can go that other way that you just spoil your child. She's been through so much. No. Yeah. It's not. It's not, right? Uh, we're still in the process of knowing or having her learn that, hey, I can teach you all these things, but one thing will never change. You'll always be safe. That is what I want her to learn. That will never change. See? And we're still, you know, kind of trying to balance that, the discipline. Yeah. We're still learning. <laughs> yeah, I understand that so much. And I, I'll probably talk to you about it some more <laughs> another time. But it's true because that balance of wanting to be that safe place for them and be able to reassure and love them. But at the same time, also not give them special treatment. Treat them like they are a real child. <laughs> but really a real child also, but and at the same time be able to make sure that they are so secure in that love and acceptance from their parents that they're safe what you're sharing is you've identified specifically with Isla it's this reassurance that you're safe here right as one of the things that really brings security to her heart being able to identify that and being patient enough to constantly reaffirm your child over and over, I think is what you're saying really makes so much difference so that you can discipline them. You should discipline them, but you're also constantly building that trust with them. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Do you have any other tips? I know we're coming to the close of our time together. Would you have any advice for somebody who's considering adopting, um, maybe even thinking, should I consider a toddler? I first wanted a baby, but maybe should I consider a toddler or should I consider an older child? What can you share? What kind of tips or advice could you share with them? One thing is you, you keep an open mind and you, you have to break that image of that one image of adoption of like a newborn baby and then you without children. Because we're a big family. We're a lot. <laughs> and then yet we still adopt it. Pray about it. Pray, pray, pray. That's one thing that I'm really asking everyone. Even if adoption is not in your heart as of the moment, you don't know how God will speak to you. When you adopt, speak to other people who are, who are adopting. I mean, community helps, really. So you can hear about their experiences. Para mawala yung fear. Sometimes really the, the only thing that's stopping us is fear. I think the, the best talaga is to speak to other families. So you can ask as much questions as you can. Don't expect perfection. Don't expect Annie being adopted and living happily ever after thing. But at the same time, don't expect naman that it's going to be so tragic that your family will be so disrupted. It's really just the same as having a child with all the adjustments. And all the blessings. I mean, I can't list down all the blessings. Really, will just be surprised. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I really like what you said about people tend to swing both ways. Either there's this fairy tale picture of Annie who was adopted, and you know, just this wonderful life, problem-free life. Everything goes well from there, and then this horror story of what the trauma is going to be like, and you know, the disruption that the child will cause. And 
it's true there are challenges, but it's not as extreme sometimes as we imagine it to be. It really helps to talk to someone. But if you have any questions, we can connect you directly. Maybe just go through us and then we'll forward your questions to her if you have any questions about adoption. I'm sure Len would be happy to um, share more of their experiences with you. Yes, so thank, thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, no, thank you. It's a privilege and honor to have you able to share your story. It's inspired me so much on a personal level as a mom. And yeah, I look forward to maybe a play date when um, all of this quarantine craziness yes. is over. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. was the Family is the Answer podcast by Rohe Foundation and powered by Podcast Network Asia. If you're interested to know more about adoption and foster care, visit our website at rohefoundation.org where you can find articles, videos, and other resources. You can also find us on social media. We're Rohe Foundation on Instagram and Facebook. Again, thanks for listening and I hope to catch you at our next episode. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.